Welcome to the Grapevine Society podcast, a platform for sharing the experiences of young people as we figure things out, from student life to post-graduation. I'm your host, Safiwi Blathketh, and in each episode you'll be hearing real stories from real people, because anecdotal evidence can be invaluable when it comes to getting the specifics. Hi, everyone listening. Welcome to, I guess, the first proper episode of this podcast. I'm with my good friend Josie. Hi. <laughs> and we're currently sitting in St. James's Park because we had nowhere else to record this, really, because COVID. So. Social distancing. <laughs> Sorry about the um, the background noise, which you can hear right now. I can. I've got headphones on, and I can hear it all very clearly. But I'm hoping our voices come through, which is like the main point. So. I thought for this episode, uh, let's kick things off with starting, no, not starting, applying to the Ruskin to do fine art at Oxford University, basically. So a little bit of background information. Josie and I have both literally just graduated from the Ruskin. So we started in 2012, finished in 2012. 2012. Did I say 2012? 2017. 2017. That was going through my head, clearly, like the words just didn't form. And finished in 2020 which um, obviously our last term as well, we weren't actually there. So we did remote learning, which was a bit weird. Mm-hmm. And we were at the same college together. So we it's like the full Oxford experience. Exactly. Queen's College. <laughs> <laughs> we can go on about college choice at a different time. Maybe a bit later in this episode or at the start. But um, yeah, so I get a lot of, well, not that many, to be honest, a few like DMs and questions here and there from people who are looking to apply to the Ruskin because obviously like when you can get it from personal sources I find that usually the information can be super useful because there's a lot of stuff out there either on YouTube and I don't know about you when you applied but like that's the kind of stuff I was looking up at. Oh my god I was all up in every single student room (laughs) forum post like every YouTube thing like hunting through the archive for just anything because there's actually very little information out there or or like information that I could understand right especially from schools as well I remember my school like yeah you had people doing like for law and some little stuff like that I feel like it's more set in stone kind of what you need to do in terms of applying getting experience and writing a really well curated personal statement whereas for like fine art it is so individualized that it's hard and also just really false impressions of it so I remember um kind of the main advice I got from teachers was like, okay, so you want to do fine art at Oxford, you need an A-star in art and all of these different things about like academic achievement. Um, and at no point did they really talk to me about the art, which is kind of <laughs> the whole point of the degree. Exactly. But my, I remember um, the someone like kind of high up in my school, whatever, was like, yeah, but what about history of art? And I was just like... How about no? <laughs> um, so, okay, let's kind of break it up into sections so this is useful for those who are kind of considering applying or just want to know a bit more about it so first section is kind of about before applying and the things that you may want to consider so first of all I thought we could talk about location because obviously when you're kind of looking to study art it's quite common that most of the arts focused universities are in London I know for me anyway, I did my art foundation in London, but that's also because I'm from London. So for me as well, it was kind of going to be a little bit more easy to kind of see like the different courses at UAL, for example, because I did my foundation there. So I don't know if you want to speak a a bit about that. What made you choose to go and apply to Oxford? Because I know you only applied to Oxford as well. Yeah, I was quite uh, set on it. I think... um in terms of location, it really just depends, I think, on what um, you're comfortable in and feel like you could make work in. So I know for me it was really important that um, sort of there was quite an intimate sort of tutor to student ratio that I would... Um, I think there's an ongoing kind of trend or sort of bad habit in the London art scene in which they're kind of emitting more people than they can handle as sort of just to like financially sustain the art school um, in which there's a real dilution of like quality intimate teaching or um, it's quite like a, a factory machine sort of being pumped along the line assembly line um, and yeah so I, I wanted 
sort of in like a real relationship with the people mm. I was around. So the Ruskin typically admits like 30 people, but it's always a bit less than that. Um, and that's like a class size that like you really know your year like inside out um which has its pros and cons for some people there's always like there's always a bit of a lottery about like how well you connect with people and who ends up in your year and um for some people there's not it's such a small amount of people that maybe you don't find i don't know your people your tribe or or um also that you find maybe it doesn't reflect the art that you're invested in um because it's there's definitely like an in-house style or, or repeated habits, which I guess we can talk about maybe later. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. What about you? I mean, I think going back to like, yeah, my UAL days, there I went to Camberwell for my foundation and there were hundreds of us, like hundreds. Like we, it was like desk space that you would, I had more desk space in my sixth form school art room than I did at my art foundation, which was like a course solely focused on art. Um, and in terms of Ruskin as well, it's also worth noting that, yeah, it's a small class size, but it's a it's an art school within a wider university. And I think I knew as well, well, first of all, I wanted to get out of London. And second of all, I wanted to meet or be around people who did other subjects too, because I was, it's like classic, I think, most people who do fine art probably went for a phase where they were like oh I'm gonna do English <laughs> or something like that you know mm. that was my second choice English lit right <laughs> obviously not everyone but I think I was like law or art either law. or yeah did, they're quite similar quite actually ra- but no, that's really <laughs> random I did not know that I gave that up a while ago <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah for me that was really important like having that um sort of still a city space but it was a small city, so it f- feels like a campus in a way, but not the same as like a campus uni, like, I don't know, like, um, I can't even give an example of this, like Exeter or Warwick, they're mm, campus unis, right? Yeah. Or Leeds or something where it's like student hub and like you, Loughborough, I mean, I guess, I yeah, think. more like, like Loughborough, yeah, probably. But um, yeah, so that's the kind of stuff I thought in terms of like practical reasons and like just the fact that I wanted to not be in London but I'm not gonna lie I definitely did look at like UCL and places like that but I stopped all my other applications before as soon as I found out sorry that I got into the Ruskin Mm. um but I think maybe there's quite a clear divisional split between um kind of like Oxford University is like academically directed art school um in which sort of like theory and uh sort of critical um thinking kind of underpins the approach to your practice in art um whereas a lot of other schools there's still a theory component but um perhaps there's not as much like self-consciousness about the work or like you're kind of free to kind of really focus on art so I guess it's maybe a question of do you want to go to an art school where you're kind of making art or do you want to be in an academic environment that Mm. you so happen to make art within which um I found it really worked for me but it also does throw it definitely creates a lag in the process it's it's quite like a long birth or something that's true i mean like i know thing is it's so weird because i didn't really know much about exactly what that course was going to be like because they give you a course structure you know you can go on the ruskin website you can go on the oxford university website and it's one thing reading it where it's like okay so this percentage in your first year is going to be on anatomy and then this bit is going to be dedicated to history and theory of art and this bit is going to be dedicated to your studio practice in reality it is it is not as clean cut clean cut clean cut as that yeah but also i think on the outside, it looks like uh, I'd say quite traditional uh, in many senses. So, like when you say like oh uh, history, like art history, pe- people kind of confuse it as art history or like history of art, or whatever. Uh, when really it's like history and theory of uh, visual yeah. culture since like post World War Two or something. So actually, like a lot of the work that you're looking at is contemporary, or you could be talking about something that happened a year ago. Exactly. Um, Let's just say you're not going to be talking about like Picasso in every essay. Slash ever. <laughs> maybe, slash maybe, ever. maybe sometimes, <laughs> but uh, 
it's not what the teachings focus on but also like anatomy as a thing is quite like I was like oh my god I can't draw I don't want to draw I'm really confused but then you kind of get in there and you realize it's sort of a front or for me I found that their approach to drawing was like uh very open and expansive um in sort of like okay drawing is like literally just making a mark so like you can performatively draw you can I yeah. you could do whatever um you don't have to draw which i think is a key thing that i keep wanting to say to people because it really nearly put me off but if you do want to draw it also supports it really well it's kind of really about you as a person because i know some people for them anatomy like really sold them on it like yeah i want to go to oxford university to study fine art because of you know they do anatomy there and they don't mm. in other places but you've got to think this is only for your first year it doesn't count towards anything and also like you said it you don't have to draw if you do not want to and I think if anything it almost feels like a nice like token thing as like an extra thing to add into a schedule for first years because our like doing fine art as a course can be very unstructured because you're having to structure most of it yourself in terms of studio practice and studio time so yeah anatomy is not the be all and end all and I wouldn't I probably wouldn't make your decision based on that I mean it's an added feature for sure it's fun but not everyone loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I kind of don't want to talk about anatomy too much, just in the sense of, like, it, I don't actually think it's that important to the course um, beyond first year. Yeah. I think we'll get onto this in terms of portfolios later, but basically if what you can take away from this is that you do not have to include anatomy in your portfolio. Oh, yeah, you don't need a life drawing no. to show that you're interested in the body or <laughs> which Trust I got me. told by my art foundation teachers like, oh my God, where's the life drawing? Put life drawing in. It's like hell to the no. Do I want to in my interview, do I want them to stumble upon a life drawing and like spend that 20 minutes talking about how much no. I hated it? <laughs> no, like. <laughs> Yeah, for me it was the other way around actually my art foundation tutor was like you know you don't actually have to include live drawing I mean I never was I wasn't going to at that point but when I applied in sixth form because we both applied twice and we can get onto that later um, yeah when I applied they were like yeah you're going to have to have live drawing in there and then the art foundation person was like what? of course not if you don't do that you don't have to um, so also in terms of the last things to really that we can cover right now in terms of considering before applying would be I don't know how much you thought about the tutors there too like what the teaching would be like because I know I didn't really think too much about it I definitely looked at it from a much more generic point of view of like University of Oxford as a name um, and I feel like it would be really useful to be to have been a bit more informed about who was teaching there yeah um well, obviously, like, the unique part about Oxford um, is that there's, like, a tutorial system in which you're kind of getting one-to-one um, teaching really regularly. Um, and that's kind of what you're paying for or is, like, the main form of, like, contact hours you're going to get. So I was really looking and being like, okay, if this is the course, who's going to be speaking to me? Um, and obviously, like, year-to-year there are changes, but, I mean, I say, like, I remember at the time... Of first applying like Elizabeth Price had won the Turner Prize and then she was like becoming head of school and I was like oh my god that work is incredible like I'm so into it and you're like I don't you kind of just look and see what kind of work is coming out what tutors are kind of like supporting that work um so like whether it's like looking at degree shows or just like going on the website and looking um yeah because it does change it does change maybe yeah, also, actually, I remember being really annoyed that Elizabeth Price left right. the moment I got in <laughs> and being like, oh, I would have liked to have spoken to you. But then, like, I met artists that I had no idea about who have, like, I just so massively changed my understanding of mm. art. And There are some incredible tutors at the Ruskin, for sure. Oh, massively. But it's um, about making use of them, too. Well, uh, probably there's amazing tutors at all art schools. It's just that you get the time to really speak to them and because of that small scale atmosphere they know you as people and it like becomes like deep real quick or something (laughs) (laughs) um okay so on to the application process so say you have made the decision to use one of your five choices i think it's five right yeah um uh to apply to oxford um college choice (laughs) this is actually a big thing and i know so 
this is like one of the first things that I researched when I knew I wanted to apply. And there's so much information out there. You know, every college has their own like stereotype and some of them actually live up to it. Like, yes, that is the truth. Um, and Oxford itself lives up to many stereotypes in terms of the people and the demographic that they draw. Yes, access is a big issue and it's something that is actively being worked upon, but it's definitely going to be a slow burner of a thing. Um, but in terms of college choice, do you want to talk through how you decided to pick Queen's? Uh, at the time of applying, I was kind of like, I'd just be happy to go to Oxford, whoever wants to take me. And kind of actually really undervalued myself in that process and kind of didn't think of it as like, actually, no, like you should be happy to kind of have me or like it should be a mutual thing. Um, so I ended up um, kind of applying to Queen's as a very impulsive decision. Um, I don't know. I I I've found it very mixed in certain sense of um they sort of regularly like to tell you, Oh, the college you go to doesn't really matter, you end up loving it. I didn't end up loving it. Mm. Um, which I feel like I don't hear people saying that much. Um but it's because I think it really depends what circumstance you're entering into your college in. So like um I found that um realizing that different mon different colleges have different financial support that they can give in moments of hardship and it's um huge discrepancies so i sort of remember kind of like hearing people at teddy hall getting loads of money and then applying for support myself and being like really frustrated that i was in just as much need as another person but i wasn't receiving it because of kind of like the bureaucracy of colleges um yeah i don't know what because i know you kind of really hubbed in college or like Queen's works for you in a way that it didn't for me. So I, d I don't know, how d why yeah. did that happen? I mean, so I actually applied to Maudlin because when I went on to like the open days, I saw Maudlin and I was just like, okay, it's going to be between that and obviously like the most famous one, Christchurch. It's, I just like, it's pretty, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was my thought process. Like, I want the biggest best nicest oxford experience ever yeah i applied to christchurch first you did mm, yeah what oh. a mistake <laughs> just um, it was just too overwhelming for me it works for some people it does work for some people and doesn't for others um yeah so i applied to Maudlin just because it had a deer park and it was nice i mean i interviewed there as well and then i got but i got my place at queens um which i am actually really really thankful for and really happy about because I also wanted, the reason why I did apply to Morden is because they also took more students, but Queens I was just happy about because actually at the end of the day you get in a smaller cohort and I think we had maybe just under 100 people in our year and you do get to know most other people if you're around in college and you also get to know other years really well and that's what I found at Queens. Like I walked in and I wouldn't feel like I was entering into a space which was super unfamiliar or that I couldn't walk by someone and just like n kind of know who they are. So for me, it worked well just because it was like a strong sense of like a small community. But for others, that can appear sort of quite insular um, and it can isolate people. And I know people did struggle with that. So it is a hard one to kind of navigate because you can't really predict it. But I'm obviously like just really fortunate that I had a really good experience there. But obviously in terms of actual financial aid and things like that, um, I mean, Queen's wasn't as bad as other colleges either. Like both of us have received some sort of like academic grant support to do projects, right? Yeah, and there are like scholarships if you get, say like if you get a first and first year, or th there's various different ways of interacting with money, whether that's like through the JCR and like making applications for money from the student body. Mm -hmm. Or I think actually in many ways, kind of like I found the, so the social aspect of it harder and that's kind of a mixture of like luck or contingency or you can't really, I don't think, make decisions on that. Like in terms of college, I would keep it really simple and be like, how do they do food? Like, where is it? Like, do I have to walk far? Like, kind of like day-to-day -day yes. kind of like practicalities because um, I think those are the, the sort of nurturing aspects that kind of really, uh, really dominate your experience of Oxford or it like really affected mine, I think. Super true. Um, okay, on to personal statements. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, where do we even begin with this? This is like the one thing that I remember just in sick form, everyone, like, you put your, a bit of your heart and soul into it, you know? 
So you said you've applied twice, yeah. Mm, so yes. how did you find your personal statement change from the first <laughs> to the second one? <laughs> Do you know what? Weirdly enough, actually not not hugely. My portfolio had the biggest change. That's just because I got a lot of extra help with my um, portfolio. No, sorry what am I talking about personal statement from school in a way that it was like written so I thought oh this is like perfect this is a, the formulaic approach uh uh-uh. uh I mean I wish I could change my personal statement like I don't know how the people at the Ruskin re- read that and for I mean actually maybe they did just know that I got a lot of like te- teacher help on that because it was obviously it didn't really have my voice properly in there I know there was like a sentence which like some some sort of word was used which was completely it was from like my literal german teacher thesaurus like let right? me find a fancy way to say that Enthr- i think it was enthralling <laughs> that was the word that was used oh, i like that word um, <laughs> but i don't use it you know so for me it, it didn't change that like like hugely but i don't think it was an incredible personal statement by any means what about you Oh my gosh, like such a big difference. So I, I remember the first time applying just generally that um, particularly because I was applying without an art foundation and was like, oh my God, I really need to prove myself that I don't need to do an art foundation, that I'm mature and ready. Um, and maybe fell in the trap of like being really definitive about my investment in art or what I understood art to be. And, um, and also like quite clinical or careery in the sense of like, oh, I've done this experience related to art and this and this and like really going down that kind of um, traditional route that you would think, but like you need to, I don't know, just keeping in mind the second time, it's like, it's just an art school. Like they want to hear about your art. So I, I think on my second personal statement, I opened up talking about Tamagotchis and digital pets and kind of kept it really on that kind of vernacular. Of like it, I really didn't need to be sort of, talking about all these experiences it's just what my investment with the work was they don't need to know that you played netball or lacrosse to a high level i'll tell you that for sure like i think especially one thing you've got to think you're the people who are seeing this are the tutors at the ruskin in in particular yeah the colleges as well but at the end of the day the ruskin is the institution which makes the, the decision of who they let in right i would almost say like of all the application process it's the thing that I would spend the least time on like relative because if they're seeing a whole body of your work in a portfolio I think they're kind of just seeing that there's a thread around it that you're kind of like you can talk about what you're invested in and you get that chance more in the interview stage Mm. and I think that's where it really gets drawn out of you so I wouldn't stress over the personal statement just be able to write about your work in a way which suits you and makes sense don't try and make it some formulaic approach because trust me it doesn't it's not going to put you at an edge um oh i think that actually is a really big thing that i remember reading the student room and people were like oh you get points for each stage of the application and like the personal statement is weighted this much it's like i don't we don't know that happens or we can't really confirm or deny but just like I don't know a logical sense is that it's such a tiny piece of information that and also it's written so early into the application process like by the time you interview your work is probably completely different and I've I've kind of at least what I try to do is introduce increasingly more like self-conscious or like paranoid or like kind of emitting where I kind of felt a bit resistant or unsure about the work um and I, I, I imagine on a foundation, you, you probably felt the same as well, of like feeling really torn between different things and having questions and wanting to present those questions, I guess. Exactly. And this goes with the portfolio too. It doesn't have to be this extremely polished thing of like, this is a work and then this is a work and then this is a work. Because trust me, at the end of the three years, your portfolio that you submit for your, your like basically to get your degree still does not have to be that at all. Yeah, and also it's, I think, the personal statement, it isn't like um, a, the opportunity to present like your academic profile or like appeal to the academic nature of the course. Um, so like, I don't know, I, I sort of remember when I applied without an art foundation, my teachers kind of making me justify to Oxford why I'm studying my A-levels and what I've got from studying all of these things like like, I don't know and it's it's like you really don't even have to talk about A-levels at all no Um, I don't think I did I mean apart from like A-level art but like also didn't get in and 
probably really like we both got interviewed okay okay no i didn't Did oh no, 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 no i didn't <laughs> no i but i got one of those emails like we recommend you do an art foundation right um and it's kind of a shame that art foundations are being phased out because i do think right? for m- i needed that year i was i keep <laughs> thinking oh my god if i actually got in dear lord help me Honestly. um but th- that's just me i th- i think also just my art level of art education was so different from a comprehensive background where it was like three pounds per student yeah um (laughs) yeah same here i have to say like an art foundation (laughs) saved my soul in that process um obviously there was a reason i didn't get in the first time and that's also because i mean just looking at the difference in my portfolio and the help i got from a tutor who was uh at teaching at an art school and kind of knew a little bit more about that compared to and like I I mean I got on well with my art teachers at school but this wasn't a usual thing for people to be applying to the Ruskin so they didn't really like their guidance was useful but it wasn't tailored to the Ruskin in a way which helped me out so yeah that's that's that (laughs) um moving on to oh the actual portfolio okay (laughs) this is a this is like the big main thing in my opinion i think it's the only thing i cared about um and i i at least like said like in the interview the only thing they talked about for me was like maybe one question about oxford but then it's like okay to the work oh yeah 100 percent. it was like a nicety like a hi how are you and then it was i think i honestly had a total of maybe like four questions like the rest of the time was just because you can speak quiet for quite a long time or i don't know about a piece yeah okay so i want to know about your portfolio because i feel like i've seen snippets of it i don't know if i showed you any of i don't think i've seen yours no oh so okay i guess the first question is like what format did your portfolio take because like in my case i submitted a usb stick did you yeah (laughs) um i did not do that i made a website and i documented every single day of my life what art activity or wider kind of practice i was doing and i said i kind of just said to them like um in the interview oh so like what day do you want to look at and kind of left that contingency of I could click on a day where I did nothing and we can talk about me doing nothing or um, there'd be a really crazy day um, or like, yeah, I don't. And maybe that's not like a standard route for people. But so that's like, what did you do? <laughs> Just to backtrack two seconds, because I think I remember on the student room or maybe I don't know where you sent this in. You doing that dancing? I sent it in the <laughs> Facebook chat. Right. Yeah, which actually what we yeah. talked about in the interview was me doing a dance. Um, around a scaffolding tower so it's like a dance work yeah um yeah <laughs> which which was i think i spoke about in the interview being like oh i was praying to the art gods for ideas and they just weren't coming That's and i don't know how to get over that and they kind of laughed and looked a bit concerned and uh, moved on but <laughs> but we'll let them in <laughs> um no my i would say mine was more in the traditional sense of i went to like cass art and bought like some nice thick a1 paper a1 yeah i mean it cost me it it was expensive first of all because i went to also like print off my photos at snappy snaps i think nowadays like you don't have to go this extra it's all digital now yeah oh is it yeah okay i think i think they've revised it so it's all digital which really does change it um yeah we can't really speak on that because it's not our experience but I mean, but we've also produced digital portfolios oh, have, um, yeah. in final year, and I guess a lot of um, a lot of the questions that circulated at the point of doing a portfolio later on in the degree was about um, polishing up and how like definitive you need to be in presenting the work, and um, kind of I guess the more expo- the more more you look at art, you kind of get so familiar with this like beautifully polished photograph of the work um which also only really features one particular mode of working which doesn't work for everybody um and also just being able to present like work in progress or something that is like even just a textual idea like you're not even haven't started it and not feeling like everything needs to be kind of on that level if that makes sense yeah that's so true because it can be like works which 
are in that have the, like, the potential for an idea to maybe manifest at some point even if it doesn't as well so like if your work is text-based and writing you can include that it does not have to just be painting 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 life drawing life drawing <laughs> anatomy skull <laughs> um so yeah for mine it, i went more down like the traditional route but it did change a lot from my sixth form application to my art foundation application i can't remember how many sheets i had i want to say less than 10 um because the tutor who I spoke to at the time was like, you can keep it super clean and concise and just have, you know, two photo, max two photos or three photos on each sheet. Um, and my work back then, because I did, I did sculpture in on Art Foundation because we had to specialise at UAL and I ended up, yeah, having a much more sculpture focused um, portfolio. But that literally changed so much within each year at the Ruskin. So I wouldn't, I would also say, although, so for example, like a lot of my work was just uh, documentation of sculpture, you also do not have to by any means be like, I can work in charcoal and I can work in paint and oil paint and acrylic and ink. And also I can do installations. Do, do not worry about how many different media you're using. Mm, I think that's when like selectivity really comes into it or um, really at least the way that I approached it um, was okay we've got a 20 minute interview I'm not going to talk about everything in that time in enough detail or like to actually convey what um, my investment in it is so it's uh, just about like what are you prepared to talk about and what can you talk about for 20 minutes because I think we ended up talking about two things I'd done um, and it was literally just all about that. Yeah, same for me. I think, for first of all, the interview went so quickly, and we'll get onto that in the next little bit. But I, yeah, I also, I also spoke about yeah two to three works because you're just not going to be able to get into a proper conversation mm. if you're spreading yourself too thinly, unless it is that you are submitting like almost one work into the as a portfolio which I, I guess I did ways. in a way yeah um, well I, I think finding a format that suits the work you're making rather than feeling like your work has to conform to a portfolio That's format a point. Um, but I was just thinking in my head then and kind of having like a flashback of um, I think the main difference in the portfolio between like applying without an art foundation during a level and then went on a foundation is that the first time I did a portfolio I was like providing text annotations or like trying to explain the work in the way that you kind of have to do for a level to validate yourself whereas I guess the second time around I was like I don't need to validate myself I'm confident in the work and letting the work speak for itself because I think the moment you kind of try to uh, explain or justify your work there's, there's sort of a butchering that happens or definitely in my case um I feel like it almost lessens the quality of the work without meaning to you're harming your, yourself in a way mm. if it if it works with your work you'll just know do you know what I mean but also because you're setting it as what your understanding of the work is where what I've realized more than anything is that I revisit something down the line and be like oh I understand this in a whole other way and it's a totally different thing because I guess with art making you make something and then it exists outside of you and it's that separation from the body that um I think really directs what a work can do or is outside of you. Yeah. So I think in terms of also if you're listening to this and you're still thinking I but I don't know what my work is and I don't know what I want to put Same. Into this. <laughs> <laughs> right? I would say like I cuz again like there's so many different videos on like YouTube and I remember even watching like American uni applications for like RISD and th places like that it's just a different form of art making and like what those schools are looking for and what kind of people are getting in with a certain like caliber of work just don't I would personally say if you can stay away from that do because do not copy what you see online I also I always feel like I need to introduce a disclaimer at this point of being like if you submit a portfolio that you're happy with and you don't get in that's not a reflection on the work mm. um, or like there's more of a reflection of maybe them not thinking you're a fit for the institution or that you could work in an institutional setting um, that's very so true. I remember being so crushed at the point of not getting in 
um, the first time around, been like, the work's shit, but I'm an <laughs> awful artist, I'm never gonna... Um, but really, it was just like, actually, no, my investment wasn't right at that point, and yeah. I really needed the time, and it's... I don't know, I guess you realise, actually, that there's not many opportunities to have, like, a free year out to think about art, and the thing that you crave during the degree, or I did, is that time yes. to kind of just sit with what you're understanding and processing so whilst the art foundation is still here sit around and it's still free and if you have the means to just do it please it will help you out so much and also it's just a fun year like for me it was a three-day course like i was also able to get like a part-time job in that time which then helped me out in terms of going to uni so for me it was best of both worlds because i was able to live at home too so you don't have to travel to london and get into csm on something to like then get into your perfect course like that's just not realistic for a lot of people yeah I could not afford it and I went to a local um college and not gonna lie like it was I found I had a really horrible experience on it but I kind of describe it as the most useful useless year <laughs> yes um because actually kind of it expands your or expands your like perception of art beyond having to justify yourself and then it's just like on its own terms um and I got like a sort of part-time work in a gallery and met actual art people and realized how wrong I thought art school would be whereas I kind of thought oh cool I'll go to art school I'll develop a practice and I come out and I'm an exhibiting artist <laughs> and it's like you doesn't work like it that. doesn't work like that there's quite a few myths I think that you kind of work through but I don't know the, the portfolio is a chance to kind of present to the core what you're interested in at that moment knowing that it's going to change yes and i think the tutors also know this like think about how many years and year groups they've seen of these all these different portfolios at the end of the day they know that you're at an early stage in life and all they're looking for i would say is probably like just potential and whether you're fit you may be a fit for the ruskin and you know what sometimes they get it right sometimes they get it wrong some people get in and then they choose not to take the place so, yeah, I feel like that's that. Is that enough on portfolios? Yeah, I mean, I could talk about it forever, but there's so many aspects that I think we should dive into. Yeah. What's next? Um, interview, which is pretty much the last stage of getting in. That's like the decider point, obviously. So there's two different phases. You apply, you send a portfolio first, along with your personal statement, obviously Oxford's early application, and then you get an email an email right it was an email for me um inviting you to interview if you have been successful you're there for like a week i was yeah i was there for like four days total i think like quite a long time compared to other subjects um so usually you stay at the college that you have applied to so for me it was modern for you queens and i so i know you only had one actual interview but normally for most people i would say you have two interviews and one uh, practical exam mm -hmm. so for me I have I had one college interview one Ruskin interview and then the Ruskin practical exam do you want to talk about your interview experience uh, yeah well I can talk about it first time and second time oh sure yeah. which is um, <laughs> the first year sort of applying without an art foundation the interview was quite terrifying because I was like sort of like thinking do I wear a suit like what do I wear like also I was really self-conscious at the time that I was kind of um as a sort of like first generation sort of student from Birmingham where like there's a big stigma around the accent and people thinking you're dumb and needing to appear credible and so I was like kind of for a while like I don't know if I fully realized it but I was kind of training myself out of the accent or like wanting to appear more uh, kind of intelligent to them whereas the second time I was like I'm not bothering with that at all um, but the interview experience like the college one I sort of found more difficult because I didn't realise at the time that they don't actually get a decision or like any involvement like if the Ruskin want you you'll get in and then if the college don't want to accept you you'll go to another college me yeah um, <laughs> And also there's so many trivial, like you can't suss out the process. Like even having gone through it and worked um, like admissions for the college, like doing interviews and stuff, you really don't know what's going on. If you get called to another college, you don't know what that means. There's so many like standardizing aspects that the colleges have to do that's like, just surrender yourself to it 
um, don't overthink it. And like, I think I learned on the second time to just prioritize myself, which was um, if you don't feel like socializing and being around people because they might psych you out, stay in your room. Um, whereas the first time at Christchurch, I was around lots of people that were a whole different social class to me um, or like very different experiences and feeling really overwhelmed and alienated and thinking, oh my God, is this what Oxford is going to be? Yeah. I mean, I even had like that experience when, so when I went for interview, um, so I stayed in Magdalen and I actually met a friend who also got in and um, was in our year and we sort of stuck by each other. I, I remember, okay, let's go back, like the first night and there's, they, they offer you dinner. And I was so close to not leaving my room at the time because I was like, there is no way in hell. I'm going to go to a kebab van. I can't do it. <laughs> I wasn't even going to do that. I was just going to stay there. I literally was freaking out. Um, so luckily on the way to dinner, I saw, I just saw these people and I was just, you've literally just got to say hi or like you just have to, If you, well, you don't have to, but I think if you want to um, and you want to get involved and you want to meet people, it's really useful. I, bear in mind, I was not one of these people who went out drinking and going like out out during interviews I don't know how people did that would have been the worst experience for me um but anyway so I met another girl who was interviewing for our course as well um and that was all great we had a nice time and it really like helped me out having someone to talk about share portfolios with um kind of going through it together in a way right because you're both both like in the unknown um, so th this was Deshna, by the way, so shout out Deshna. So we were in the JCR room, like games room, like playing pool basically. Um, or a bunch of the, these other interviewers, sorry for the background noise. Um, uh, interviewers, the people who were also being interviewed, interviewees, interviews, students, applicants. applicants, applicants is a nice word, um, were playing pool. And I think like my friend asked for a turn or something and they were like, oh no, sorry like no or basically there was some sort of weird thing of like it felt like us watching them and they didn't want to include us and it was extremely yeah it just felt extremely exclusionary and I think we just ended up leaving the room because it was just really awkward I was just like oh god is this what it's going to be like and then I, when I did get in I was really apprehensive about the kind of people I would be meeting um, and that was just my experience of it. But it was straight away for that to happen during the interview process was really off-putting to me. Because um, I was like, oh, great. Okay, that's literally the stereotype that I'd heard. Um, is it going to be like this always? So that was I mine. I feel like it's actually really important to say that um, like as much as maybe like access and outreach try and present a sense that like you won't come across these people like these people do get in there's a substantial proportion of it and it is kind of like a daily aspect of Oxford that for anybody who's not familiar with that like I definitely know it's a shock to me um, and that it was really difficult to process that some people would not speak to me in any capacity because I didn't go to the same school as them or like there was, there's that sort of dynamic but you kind of the Ruskin I think attracts or like at least in our year I know that there's such a wide variety of experiences and mm -hmm. um, so I know like shout out to Helena we were speaking lots at the point of like applying and sort of, sort of she's like from the north and has like similar experiences and I don't know there are people out there um, sure. but also don't feel pressured to speak to anybody at that point if you don't want to yeah exactly because I think one thing I notice as well like and this can go on because we could do a whole nother episode on just Oxford itself and our actual experience being a student there for three years um, that a lot of people ended up you know or a lot of people already had friends and who came from the same school as them so it was much more of a welcoming environment for them to you know uh, ease into life um, which is a big change anyway going to uni so anyway back to more of like the specifics in terms of like interview uh, at the Ruskin because like college one yeah it's just a little bit more formal maybe a bit more like on personal statement um, not so much about your artwork I would say I think it really varies from college to college because uh, uh, um, usually it's kind of like 
an arts like staff member which like really varies between colleges so we so happened to have um auntie gardner who was like the head of the ruskin i didn't know this at the time though <laughs> did you not <laughs> no. um whereas sort of other people kind of it could be really dis somebody who's not actually affiliated with the ruskin so um i know my interview at christchurch it was kind of talking about the work but then i realized like in the room that I couldn't go into the work in the same way or like you kind of talk around it or but that was just my experience of that interaction um and also just like not being stressed if you feel like the interview's going really badly because like you don't know that's so true like you you can't read it like yeah um because that was like for me at so at Magdalen I was interviewed by Anthony and also the main interviewer who was leading it was from Morden because bear in mind I got into Queen's because Anthony was at Queen's so he was affiliated with Queen's but I didn't even realise that at the time so I didn't have to do an additional interview at another college which you may have to if you get pulled Um, so for me uh, that was still a more tailored towards we were very much like on Magdalen territory and like kind of what do you do in your extra tra- time? Do you sing? Do you play sports? I know now why I did not get into more than that's because my extra curriculars were second to none. We don't actually know that. I mean, okay, no, I don't know that. But I would assume, because this is the kind of the angle that this guy was taking. Um, and also in terms of over, it's about who, if it's over, oversubscribed or not too. So um, I think there were like four of us applying for like two spaces, um, something like that. Yeah. So, whereas Queens, they actually took three of us, and I just interviewed on my own. And it was, was just you. Person. Yeah. Um, but that also isn't represent representative of like every year. I think the reason why that happened was because um, some people missed their grades, and yeah. then um, sort of they had extra f- spaces to fill. And also, it changes every year, really. Um, yeah, exactly. But also, it is worth mentioning um, if you are going to apply to a certain college if just worth noting on average how many fine arts students they take and you can find this stuff probably on the uni website just because i know you said you wanted to be the only fine artist and look how that turned out for you you got two more (laughs) (laughs) yeah actually i think i would have really struggled if i was on my own um because in college life generally i think it's obviously contingencies and you like luck of the draw but i sort of found that people weren't um, people are more a distance with fine art and they didn't understand it in the context of the university and having that sense of solidarity with another person be like oh my god Sophia we need to talk about <laughs> this, this is what's happened or, um, or just, uh, yeah, just having a sense of somebody knowing what you're experiencing because like every college is so unique and has its own culture by like the people that happen to be in that year um, and especially at the beginning as well like at the very first on the very during the very first term I remember it would be like us walking together from our accommodation to the studio and even that in itself would be really nice when you have to go to these new things where you're meeting everyone at the Ruskin for the first time but you have sort of someone there to navigate it together with like is this the right door you know that kind of thing it does help it makes a difference and I and you know I it's not but saying that if you do get into a college that you didn't want and that it is only you it does not mean that you're going to have like an incredibly worse experience than someone who's at like Teddy Hall with like six other fine artists you know but that is like but it does present challenges so like if you know as you as a person that you're really wanting to kind of be living in and around artists looking at a college that accepts more people so like Teddy Hall or uh, like Brazenose actually has a lot so it's three every year Um, but also not being too concerned because the way that the course is taught so like I guess one thing we really need to lay out about Oxford is that for everybody you're taught in college and we are like the only people who are taught in the department so um in that way you spend all of your time with people at the Ruskin anyway um and so you're never sort of too far away from somebody who's like understanding what you're working through exactly for example there may not be a fine art tutor at your college that is how much you are not taught within college. It just so happened that the head of Rusking at the time was at Queen's. But for some people, they did not have a fine art tutor affiliated with their college. But that's because all the teaching is done within the Ruskin. And it's visiting. So it's like visiting exactly. artists drop in and um, it's not like they're fixed staff members 
for the majority of the case. Yeah. And to be honest, we can talk about like we can deep dive into the whole course another time too because I mean the even the tutorials are so different from other subjects and it's just the whole thing was more casual I think is more casual or less scary it's not like the thing that you see because I remember the videos that I was looking at on YouTube like what's an Oxford interview like and <laughs> what's an Oxford tutorial like and they do this really weird like very serious thing where it's like paper in front of you and like behind a desk and actually know the tutor normally comes to you in your space oh that's a good one I remember like at the time that my like my grandparents heard that I was applying to Oxford my grandma got me a book of like all like Oxbridge questions you oh, get that's asked, so sweet. which is really sweet and I actually do enjoy the questions they're quite amusing but this idea that in the interview they're going to try and ask you this like really impossible thing and you like need to vocalize your kind of like thought process like yes that may apply to other subjects but for fine art it's a completely different interview it's I feel like literally for most people I know they just say right let's talk about your work there's yeah. no sense of like they're going to show some sort of source material and you just have to talk about somebody's work this is not like, a history of art no you're self-directing all of the work so they just care about you so I think yeah I don't know the interview's good to just kind of just present yourself and not in a in a sort of selling way but like hi this is what I'm interested in they'll like really meet you there with it like I found they brought their energy to what I wanted to talk about exactly the questions are pretty much always going to be quite open-ended you can bring new work with you and just be able to like try and speak as confidently as you can about your work you know have a sense of what it is you're trying to do and if you can practice speaking with others like explaining to your friend or something like when they ask you like what it is that you're doing and you're making like it's kind of in a similar manner to that I would say for me anyway like just having a chat literally just having a chat oh what we need to talk about is the practical yes exam. that was just <laughs> on my mind go ahead what, what's what's your sort of experience of the practical exam what do you sort of remember or think about okay I was kind of stressed about it because I was this was something I couldn't find a lot of information on um, obviously it's like this idea of like an entrance exam and it's all very weird when you're kind of congregating in the hallway of the Ruskin high street building and you're meted by like you're greeted by Simon who uh, works at the Ruskin and they hand you like a piece of paper with all this all the questions on and stuff and so it's kind of like okay you're going to go in you don't really know what you're going to produce and you also can't even think about what have a preconceived idea of what you're going to produce either because you don't know what the questions are and they I just thought they were quite odd questions um it felt like I was in an art class where I was making something for the sake of it actually I guess that's where the, the really niche random Oxford questions maybe come in <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true uh it's different to the the chatting interview basically you're all in a room together um I I'm not gonna lie I didn't love the atmosphere I wasn't someone who was like running to the materials table to get all the materials before everyone else was but I'm not gonna lie I noticed that in our yeah there's like an inherent selfishness that kind of comes out I think where people are like oh there's only three glue guns it's my glue gun <laughs> <laughs> I remember having to go over to like someone's desk and just like asking if I could take something but I felt really horrible doing so I was like I'll bring it back and it's just like I don't know I think if you can go in there with a very relaxed atmosphere like you can leave when you want it's like quite a few hours long um you don't have to produce like some amazing work like I I I did a really quite simple like two things again they were both sculptures because that's what I really was comfortable with at the time but I, I don't know I can't even remember the questions it was like one of them was like take an aspect of the room and like reproduce it or something. I guess the really interesting thing for me was that obviously because I was interviewed without an art foundation, I have two experiences of being in that practical exam. Oh, I could yeah, see I like the difference from year to year. And I found the first time it was actually really intimidating and daunting because um, there's kind of that social performative aspect of like watching other people make work and being like oh they're doing this and I'm doing that and oh should I do more so the first time there was quite like a sensationalist aspect of um one person would sort of do a dramatic act like um sort of uh, 
sellotape lots of pencils to their body and start like groping the wall so that's one thing that happened and then somebody else sees it which is totally fine and like great in itself but then i saw like other people somebody was doing like a classical drawing and i think they sort of saw it and was like oh and then all of a sudden they were like dipping their feet in gold paint and walking out of the building or trying to do some big act um whereas i think there's you don't have to do anything amazing in it or it's not like a social test where you've got to perform in some amazing way or do something shocking yeah it's not about shock factor like people got here who did like a nice like a really nice intimate drawing and then people who did like sculpture or did like a performative engagement or something i think if anything looking back on it now and seeing what i produce in comparison to like my portfolio or something I don't I I mean we can't say this for sure but I wouldn't say it's like <laughs> the be all and end all of your application process that being said though I do think it is quite a good task or space to kind of test your responsiveness and that you're not like one track minded and that actually you are a creative thinker and that you're not trying to like shoehorn in an idea of how you work but you actually like look at the material and respond and reflect and think about it because there's no way you can prepare or enter in sort of like I don't know I, I tried to come up with like preconceptions of what I would do and then I found in the thing I did something totally different yeah and I think also your work I mean it would have naturally changed over time and you like we said before you can bring new work into the interview but your way of working might have changed quite dramatically to what you put in your portfolio so again you might just be more comfortable with doing whatever at the time it doesn't have to be like really suited to what you've already presented to them I just wouldn't stress about it I know it's really easy to say because it's a daunting process like overall because it's scary and it's when when you want to when you want something like of course you want to execute it perfectly but you can't really prepare for it and i i don't know i don't think you can like win emissions like it's not like doing the right thing it's just like present i i guess it's like just present yourself as like sincerely as you can be of where you are in relation to art and then if it's like a good fit you'll probably get in or sometimes you won't get in because there's so many random things about it like it's like I, I, as much as I at the time I would only apply to the Ruskin I think there's so many amazing art schools that I'd be willing to go to or like would mm-hmm. be interested in um, that can provide similar albeit different support exactly so that's not the end of the world really um, yeah. I mean it's easy for us to say because we've just graduated from the place and I know when if, you yeah, know, if you're listening yeah. to this and you're like but I, re- I know I really want to go to Oxford like, I would have been so upset if I didn't get in because like the first time I wasn't that upset because I was like I have another chance they told me to do a art foundation but the second time I was like I don't know what I want I honestly had the mindset of like if I don't get in I don't know what I'm gonna do yeah (laughs) I was a drum drama queen at the time I was like oh my god my life is ruined if I don't get in Um, but I think also I think maybe a big part of that is that there's a validation that comes with like getting into Oxford that I thought I needed or maybe didn't wasn't aware that I was like needing because it suddenly makes your art feel like it's more legitimate or kind of like you're like oh I mean what I'm doing is like it must be intelligent or something (laughs) fine art but it's Oxford yeah it makes it like palatable to people whereas I think if it's like a genuine commitment to the art like you can kind of do it wherever it's just finding the environmental circumstances to support it yeah like if you sort of look at the work that's coming out or like going to degree shows and I think because I definitely realised at the Ruskin that there are like certain like in-house styles as in like you see certain ways of making art that keep cropping up but ultimately the means of producing work actually is quite varied in the there's people who work in quite like um, illustrative or like traditional painting styles and there's people who work in like ultra sort of conceptual dematerialized practice and there's that that complete yeah sort of range and um it's not that there's a particular way of working that i think they're looking for but it's that you're committed to your work and you understand why um kind of like developing your work within the context of oxford and the ruskin would be beneficial to mm-hmm. it it's like i know um 
I had like lots of research interests across like different disciplines and that proximity to other departments was really important because I ultimately have like quite a writing and research based practice whereas that's not for everyone yeah I think all in all try not to stress as much as possible because in a way it's out of your hands and if you're happy with the work that you've produced and like your portfolio and that you know you enjoy it I think you should find some satisfaction in that and reach out and ask questions if you do have questions because I think I like knew no one literally No no one so I was relying on like online information that was quite speculative um of like and also was maybe guilty of also posting about it and kind of like thinking oh this is like what i think they want whereas it's like speak to students and learn about their experience of it and decide from there like if it's something for you so like if you go to an open day you can chat to students and yeah i i find that there's like there's more transparency around that because they're like not paid by the institution to kind of have to like support or promote a certain image so exactly and if you can't make it down to an open day especially because this year um covid yeah um that's why i mean i'm decided to do things like this because it is so useful to have your more specific questions answered so i know this is more of a generic overview but at the same time it's coming from two people who um, have just spent three years there so if you do want more information or you have a really specific query that you may think is a stupid question but you want to get answered anyway just for peace of mind you can get in touch i'll leave all all the stuff in the description of this podcast um and also it's worth looking at Ruskin social media and like just who like you can find student profiles on there pretty easily like that was something I was really interested in finding Instagrams I'm still conflicted by it really because I think I'm just saying this is just from me at the point of applying that when I saw like people who'd got in and what their work was there is this sort of uh tendency to like co-opt it and internalize that as like oh like that's the way to do it um i think it's more just i think i enjoyed really looking at the way that like students talked about their work or like the way that they approached it and what existed outside of the like instagram photo um yes and i would you, go on their tag or something like their, their text or web, i don't know um for me it was like seeing that student life as well like in the studio or something that for me was really interesting because i loved seeing like people in the action of painting or interacting with other students and just seeing like you can kind of sense a bit of a vibe I know it's different because not everyone uploads that often and also at the same time social media as we all know doesn't tell the whole story but yeah I mean I wouldn't be afraid to reach out and ask questions because usually I think most of us are going to be pretty receptive to that um, but we can definitely I reckon we could do a whole nother episode on like deep diving more into what life was like and our practices maybe yeah because i kind of feel a bit bad i'm realizing through the process of doing this that it's impossible to talk about it without kind of rambling through lots of things that feel kind of important or like these like detours that i know i went down or that you went down and stuff Mm -hmm. um and that it's also something that we're kind of live processing through the through like talking about it um and yeah, we've not talked about our work at all, um, which is obviously such a huge aspect of it. Um, exactly. And what aspects of, yeah, we've not done core structure and stuff, but. Yeah, I think this, because this one, this episode is more focused on the actual application process because you've got a lot to think about there anyway. And so hopefully it's been somewhat useful in that sense. We can definitely do, I think if you're down, um, a whole other episode on life at the Ruskin. Yeah, and, like, definitely. The, yeah, the course, because that also it may also help in terms of decision making um and i don't know it's just quite nice to have this information in a more accessible way which is hopefully um yeah hopefully useful hopefully better than what you can find on their websites at the moment because i think there's a level of transparency or maybe not even that maybe a certain professional glossing over through text on websites which just doesn't resonate the same i mean i think it's a flatness for me that they have to kind of present the core outline in a way that kind of like is very digestible Mm -hmm. um whereas like our nuances of understanding of like what it's actually like (laughs) (laughs) uh but ultimately like 
it's been massively rewarding um yeah and like the admissions process isn't as daunting as you think it will be um dare i say it was actually quite fun i love i actually the I second time, time around at least i loved it <laughs> I, um, and I was time. kind of just like chuckling away the whole internet it was so casual <laughs> yeah it was um, lovely i had really nice interviewers and, like humor yeah it was so it was so nice like bear in mind i also like in terms of i oh, this is something i wanted to say earlier you know when you were like should i wear a suit i wore my three huge great frog this is the brand called the great frog like skull silver rings to my in- oxford interviews both of them sacks like anatomy or <laughs> <laughs> no god no but what i'm saying is you don't have to wear a suit not not for not for the ruskin um so yeah i think that brings it to a nice natural end a nice close if you know you do want more information like i said like feel free to reach out to me um because that's what this podcast is really for because uh, there's obviously so many different people who are thinking about applying because it's a really well-known course and you know up there in the ranks of like what uni should I apply to and I don't know all those lists these days I don't know it's been a while hasn't it and it's probably changed as things that um maybe we don't even know about the application process now is it going to turn digital maybe maybe it already has but yeah anything you want to close off with nope um just I guess if you're going to bullet point anything it's just like be yourself be true to the work um and like don't be intimidated Mm. based on like your background or experiences and that like oxford should be for you and it can be for you but that doesn't come without challenges and it's it's a process and kind of i don't know just be gentle to yourself i think that was a perfect way to end it so amen (laughs) amen (laughs) hope you enjoyed hope it was useful and speak to you in the next episode If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and share it with others so that we can expand the conversation and reach more people. Just say that you heard it through The Grapevine. To stay updated, you can follow The Grapevine Society on Instagram at The Grapevine Society. And you can also find all podcast notes on thegrapevinesociety.com.